Welcome to the Pursuing Life Podcast. I'm your host, Monica Kirsch. Each week, I'll be sitting down with people from the Calvary Church family to hear stories of what God is doing in, around, and through them as they take intentional steps to pursue life in Jesus Christ. We believe that storytelling is powerful. God has made himself known to us through the stories of the Bible. Jesus told parables or small stories to teach kingdom lessons to his followers. And God continues to write stories of his goodness and faithfulness through the lives and experiences of his church, ordinary people just like you and me. This week, as a church, we'll be kicking off Global Focus. This is a time for us to intentionally come together to reflect on our value of going into God's world. As we take time together to shift our focus to God's work around us, we wanted to give two of our newest global partners, Michael and Nicole Gilchrist, the chance to tell their story of how God led them to pursue church planting in New Hampshire. Michael has actually been on staff here at Calvary for the last 13 years, so this new venture is one that we're excited about as we get to help him transition from staff member to global partner. The ways that God has worked in Michael and Nicole's lives, both individually and as a couple, to bring them to this point in their lives really blew me away. So I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with Michael and Nicole Gilchrist. Well, Michael and Nicole, welcome to Pursuing Life. So glad that you're here. And it was just announced recently to the whole congregation that you guys are becoming global partners which is really exciting. So I'm excited for you guys to be able to share your story. But first, why don't we take a minute and have you guys introduce yourselves. Michael, you have been on staff for how long? It's been 13 years, almost 14. Wow. So tell me a little bit about what you do on staff, first of all, so that people can kind of get an understanding of what your role has been. Yeah, so the history of my role is I came in as a middle school pastor, did that for eight years, and then transitioned from there up to pastor of community impact at Calvary Church. And my job is to be able to help the people of Calvary Church to equip them to be able to reach people beyond the walls of the church so that we can be the church, we can gather as a church and scatter as the church. But wherever we are, we are the church so we can represent Christ wherever we go. Wow. Gather as the church and scatter as the church. I love that. That's very cool. And Nicole, tell me a little bit about yourself and your family. Sure. I am home right now with our three kids. We have Isaiah, who is seven, and Claire, who is five, and Adriel, who is three. Wow. And we're homeschooling right now, so that's been a fun journey that we've been on. Um, Pre-kids, I'm a nurse. So I was working as a nurse here in Lancaster and yeah, currently stepped out and just raising babies right now. So yeah, who that, aren't really babies anymore. So it's true. I they're can't like believe, out of the baby phase. I can't believe yeah. how fast they're growing up. <laughs> I know. I know. They're getting big. They yeah. Are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you plan to maybe go back to in the future? I do hope to. Yes. Yeah. I miss it. But doing nursing in a different way right now. So it's true. It just looks differently and being able to use my nursing degree to help others and navigate different things. So yeah. Yeah. That's great. So talk to me a little bit about how you met and how long you've been married and tell me a little bit about your, your relationship. Yeah. We have been married for 10 years this August. Wow. It's gone by really fast. And we met here at Calvary actually. Do you want to yeah. tell them? Yeah, there's a, an event that I was a part of to be able to help put on with C4 
called That Thing at the Church. It's a very original name <laughs> for, for the C4 event. And uh, I remember coming around the corner, looking down the hall and seeing this girl down in the corner playing ping pong and beating the guy playing that she was playing ping pong with. And I said, who is that girl? <laughs> and uh, I came down and introduced myself. I told her, hey, I'll play you later on today j- just to see how good she was. Smooth. Uh, yeah. He I, stood me up. I, he never showed back up. Oh, no. It's true. It's totally true. (laughs) It it was bad. It was bad. (laughs) But through the providence of the Lord, we met each other again at volleyball. There would be like volleyball locations. And then we ended up going out and having food with other people who had gone to play volleyball. And we were having conversations about like, what were our, what's our future plans? And then Nicole's future plan was to go overseas and do missions on mercy ships. And I was thinking, ah, oh, there's more to this girl than just look. So I wanted to get to know her more from that. And Nicole, what's your side of that story? Well, my side is he stood me up <laughs> and, and then he showed up again at this diner and we were chatting and there was just something different about him yeah, than other guys that I'd met. And I was getting ready to leave to go to Mercy Ships, like leave Lancaster, closed everything out. I was quitting my job, et cetera. And I literally said to God, if this is something you want, you're going to have to make this happen. Mm. I'm like all out, you know? Mm -hmm. And so Michael pursued and yeah, we started getting to know each other and agreed to do long distance and all that stuff. And here we are. Yeah, 11 years later, 12 years later. Wow. Our, our first date was to the Centerville Diner and it burned down <gasps> like a year later. Oh my God. That sounds so awful. <laughs> it does. It, <laughs> but, but it's such true. Like we wanted to go back and like, oh, it, no, can't go back. So burned no, down. nothing sentimental about it. You can't go back to that location. Nope, no, can't do, do anniversaries it. there or anything. It's true. Nope. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. So you ended up actually going overseas. I did, yes. And how yes. long were you away from the U.S.? I was overseas for three months. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So long distance for three months. Yes. Yeah. It was something that God had put missions on my heart in eighth grade in high school. Wow. And so medical missions was huge. I learned about mercy ships in college and I had come to like a point in my life here in Lancaster where I was like, God, something needs to change. Mm-hmm. So I started pursuing mercy ships and I was going with the intention of staying long-term or being open to that, Mm -hmm. whatever God wanted, which when I tell that story, Michael's like, I don't think I realized that you were thinking of staying long-term or open to that idea. Oh, wow. (laughs) I didn't. But I thought she was going to come back, you know, she's going to come back to the United States, but like legitly she was going over there to say, is this a place for me to stay and actually to minister? Interesting. But you didn't. No, God had other plans. God's funny. (laughs) He Um, is. He is. So I was, the long and short of it is I got there and was very overwhelmed with third world type. It was in Sierra Leone, Freetown. And I was looking at the coast of Freetown and I was on the top of the ship. And I was thinking how I could fix Freetown and how I could westernize it and you know, all that stuff that you do as a Westerner. And God was like, hold on a minute. You could do all these things. But at the end of the day, when a Leonian comes to the end of his life or her life, it's about their heart and where their heart aligns. 
And then I had a trailing thought back to the U.S. of how there's these connections. Like, we are just as lost here as they are there and just as broken. It just looks differently and it's masked differently here. And so it's that same at the end of our life here. If we don't know Jesus, then whether we have all the things we want or we're in control or we have all the finances, none of those things really matter. And so God really shifted my mind from overseas medical missions to stateside, intentional, living authentically, investing in like lukewarm, apathetic Christianity and living all out missionally minded here in the States. Yeah. And so I came back very intentional about that. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting to me as you're saying all of this, how that's kind of come full circle. Yes. It's funny, right? And, uh, (laughs) and becoming global partners and Mm -hmm. yeah. So how long did you live in Lancaster before you did Mercy Ships? I moved here. I was just thinking about this time. I've been here for 14 years, but Mercy Ships was 2011. So it was four years that I lived here before I did Mercy Ships. Okay. Mm -hmm. And Michael, are you originally from this area or did you move here as well? I grew up in Chester County Okay. in Phoenixville. And then I moved away and I was up in the, the New England area for a while. And then I moved back, back around... It was probably early 2000s. Okay. And what brought you back here? So I was up there in meteorology, you know, a practicing meteorologist. They had told me that when they hired me, this this was going to be my company in 10 to 15 years. Wow. And I had said, I, I made everything. I, I got what I wanted. I got a good job. I'm doing meteorology in the way that I wanted to do it before different forecasting. And so to me, I thought I had completely arrived. And during the same time, God continued to not put peace in my heart about it, though. And I started to help out with the youth up there. And as I got involved with the youth, the youth pastor said to me, hey, I want you to take over the middle school ministry. And I looked at him and said, no way. (laughs) I said, but I'll go home and pray about it for a week and I'll get back to you. So as I prayed about for a week, the Lord put it on my heart to take over the middle school ministry. And so I did that. And they hadn't had a middle school ministry there before. Okay. So, so something new that I took on. And I ended up just loving it. And I loved the middle schoolers, loved being with them. And I started to see that the gifts and talents that God had given to me in middle school and investing in people weren't being used in meteorology. And I started to look, look at stuff and I reflected on Matthew 25 of the parable of the talents where I know that the talents in scripture was more of a money thing, but I thought of it in a, in a, a different way of like, what about the talents that God's given to us? Are we utilizing them to the full potential? And so I remember riding home on my bike one day from work and saying, God, I'm not here for money. I'm here to serve you. So take me and use me wherever you will. So that transitioned me to start asking questions like, would I be a good youth pastor? I started asking people uh, started connecting with different things. And so eventually I came back down to Lancaster area to be able to get a degree in Bible. Okay. And so that's what brought me back because I had some roots here. Like I actually went to Millersville University to get my meteorology degree, moved up there, and then God brought me back. Wow. And I came back to the same church I was before. I came back to Millersville Bible Church where I interned there. Wow. So how long then after you got your degree was it until you started in middle school ministry here at Calvary? 
Uh, I got my degree like in June and I started in August. Oh, wow. So it was fast. Yeah, it was. It, it, it was a complete miracle of the Lord. They had said like your internship is done. And I was like, okay, God, where do you want? Yeah. And I ended up like I was in charge of the the young adults at there and it was getting bigger than just a small group. And I was like, okay, what am I going to do? Ended up coming here, saw Bo, who was originally in C4 mm-hmm. and just wanted to sit down with him and talk to him about young adults. How do you do young adult ministry? What's the next step here for Millersville Bible Church? And what happened from that was he started asking me questions and I had put an application in at a different church because people had said, you you need to go here. And so I did, and they already had somebody. And so I I had an application sitting in my hands. He's like, do you have an application? And so I gave it to Bo. He's like, yeah, I, I have an application. So I gave it to him and one thing led to another and eventually got hired here at Calvary. Wow. So God provided big time. Majorly. <laughs> My bank account was down to a few hundred dollars. I didn't have hardly anything left. And God was like, all right, it's time for you to get hired at Calvary. Wow. That's crazy. I did not know that story. That's it's pretty cool. crazy. Yeah. And so, Nicole, tell me about what led you to Calvary and um, tell me a little bit about growing up. When did you meet Jesus and how did you get here? So I wasn't coming to Calvary until probably I came back from Mercy Ships okay. is when I started coming to Calvary mm-hmm. and got plugged into leading girls and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so yeah, so that's my Calvary story. When I met Jesus was my parents started going to church when I was in kindergarten, I think it was. So they're first generation Christians. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I accepted Christ in first grade and made him more of my own in eighth grade. Okay. And then I kind of struggled with that living of the world, living of church and Christianity and what that looked like and navigating all that. But God grabbed a hold of my heart and it's awesome when he pursues us. And when he wants us and he's like, I'm not letting you go, you know, and his patience and his mercy and grace. And so I'm very grateful for all that. And yeah, so that's kind of my story. I'm from New Jersey. Yep. And then moved back, moved down here in 08. So yeah. And you moved here for work? Yes. Okay. Yep. I got my first job at Lancaster General Hospital. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. How did that shape you? And maybe you didn't even realize that this was shaping you, but what was it like being the child of first generation Christians? Yeah, I think it's, it's all I knew. Yeah. You know, and that's all I was aware of. Right. Um, Mercy Ships was the first place I really experienced this carryover of living out life and this merge of the two, you know, like living out for Jesus and living out life and just this mesh Mm. mesh of it Mm -hmm. and then entering into meeting Michael and church and investing in girls lives and all that stuff it's been this beautiful authentic living out for God and what that looks like and Mm -hmm. raising a family it's awesome that we can raise a family as second generation but it can look different you know in different ways and yeah it's just this beautiful beautiful thing. Yeah. That's really cool. So when you guys got married, Michael, you were still in student ministries. I was. Yeah. And then at some point you transitioned into global. How did that 
change come about? How did the Lord lead you to make that change from student ministries to global ministries? Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed student ministry and I thoroughly enjoyed middle schoolers because of um, many different things. They've done psychological studies on middle schoolers. And the psychological studies is that a middle schooler and all the chemical changes that are going on in a middle schooler, that their brain development is just as advanced as an infant to a one-year-old. Wow. And so with this study that they did, they found that middle schoolers are considered what they would say psychologically is wet cement. Okay. Where you can make an impression in their lives that they can be impressed by certain things. And it actually has more significance then than almost any other time of their life because they are cognitively, they've gotten to a point where they can understand. And they're also in this developmental stage where once they get to be like 15, 16, 17, they're more set in their ethics. They're more set in what they believe. And so I loved the, the middle school ministry for a long time because of that and because of like God just gave me passion. Yeah. But I started to get older, like stuff like that happens, right? Um, <laughs> and every time the sixth graders came into seventh grade in Calvary, I was like, man, these guys are getting younger and younger. <laughs> And so I, like, I just didn't have the energy anymore. My body wasn't doing as well, like with all the activities and all nighters just didn't have the same appeal as they did before. Yeah. And so when I was approached, um, I really felt like this would probably be a really good fit. And Nicole and I had talked and prayed about it. We prayed about like, what's our heart behind mm -hmm. this? Would this be something that would be really good fit for us and for the giftings that God's given to me? overall and so as we prayed about it, we just felt like this would be a good move for us i know when they bo asked me he said like are you going to be a lifer like are you going to be a life student ministry i was like well that's a possibility but as we prayed about it we really felt like the lord was leading us to the next step yeah wow i i've never thought about the middle school development in that way that is so interesting to me you know people say Middle school are the awkward years, but you mm -hmm. don't know it until you're out of it. Right. Well, no wonder because they're developing so much. So that's so awesome that you had some of that insight that you were able to kind of intentionally invest in them. But also really neat how God also opened that door for you as well when you were kind of starting to feel like it maybe wasn't the right thing. But sometimes we're not sure. Sometimes we can start to kind of sense that, but we don't know, okay, God, like, is this just me? Is this an emotion? Is this you leading me? But he opened that door for you and made it very clear, which is really cool. When you um, did make that switch and you took that step into global ministries, how did that start to change your hearts? Yeah, that's a great question, Monica. I, I would say probably the biggest thing that changed our hearts wasn't necessarily the step into global ministries. It was when we moved and how we started to pray differently. Okay. So like we moved from Center City down, downtown on Orange Street, really close proximity. Nicole does fairly well with that. I don't do well at all. <laughs> okay. I can't see the sky. I need to see the sky. My background's in meteorology. Show me some clouds, please. Yep. <laughs> and... um so when we took the transition, we came and we were a part of a neighborhood that was still fairly close together. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing for us is like, I just didn't want any more drama. Like mm. get drama here down with the middle school ministry, it's a place that's an oasis that we could actually go. And so when we first moved into this neighborhood, I still felt like, man, 
our neighbors are really close. And like we share a wall with one of our other neighbors. And the first thing we wanted to do that Nicole and I even talked about was, what if we put up a fence hmm. like to separate our neighbors, to, to give ourselves like some privacy? Because we felt like we were all on top of one another. Even though we had been in the city, we still wanted more space. Like, and so that literally was our first kind of conversation when we were talking about our neighborhood. And Nicole, like, she likes more creative things and more variety. And these houses were all very cookie cutter. And so these were things that, like, God was starting to work in our hearts specifically. And so when I became pastor of Community Impact, going back to your question, just started to think and pray, like, what does it look like for us as Calvary Church to be able to make an impact? And what does that look like? And I know that coming in into this position specifically, like, we can do lots of events and do that, but events are like a once and done thing. And sometimes we walk away with uh, limited results from that. But what's it look like for us to connect relationally with people? And so God started to have us on this journey of relationally connecting with our neighbors, even before I took this position, but I'm just caring for our neighbors. And actually, Nicole has a, some interesting stories of what God's done in her life through that. Yeah, Nicole, can you share some more of that? Yeah, so just to echo what Michael was saying, I feel like this global ministry position that he walked into was the echo of his heart. Hmm. Um, and has is the echo of my heart as well, but... Yeah. God's been, it's funny, I came back to the States and I was like, yes, I want to live missionally minded. But sometimes we have this boxed thought process, like missionally minded on my time Mm. and in my comfort zone. Yeah. And God has had us on a journey of, no, live out missionally minded all the time, which is really hard to do. Yeah. And we moved into this house and we wanted to be a little more oasis, you know, restoration. That's what we think of in our minds of a home and re-energize and boundaries and where we live and the journey that God's had us on. It's been this refining and process of, no, I will extend you. I will enable you to love when you feel like you're kind of maxed out or done and we moved in and we wanted to put up walls because we would sit outside and our neighbors would come out and our driveways are close mm-hmm. and they'd be like, Hey, how's it going? And I'd be like, we were just with people like three quarters of our week. Can we just sit and, you know, hang out and connect just with us. And so we wanted to get away, you know, and use our backyard and our home for that. But we have started reading the art of neighboring and that kind of shifted my focus and shifted my thought of wait this street and where we live and these neighbors this is our mission field Mm. and so it started shifting and i started praying for opportunities and open doors to love on my neighbors and to connect with my neighbors in a different way And I also started pulling back from some church things so that I was available. We get busy with good things. They're all really good things. But I felt like I didn't have time. I didn't have interruptible time is what I call it. Mm -hmm. As a mom of three young kids, sleep deprived and, you know, all these things that we're doing. But I didn't have time to pause and to step out and to talk to my neighbors that are right there. And so 
yeah, so that's kind of the journey that God's had us on of slowing down a little bit, living at a different pace, being interruptible and not wanting to put up walls. And in fact, going back to that, our neighbors, was it two years ago? They told us, they were like, we're going to put up a fence. And Michael and I were crushed because oh. our yards are connected. Right. And that's how we see them. We wave, we have like these random impromptu connections and get togethers. We're like, hey, let's eat some dinner, you know. Yeah. And then they put up walls and we were just kind of crushed at that lack of ability to have that spontaneous connection. Now we have to be intentional, walk to the front of the house and, you know, knock on their door or do something different. So it's amazing how God takes us from wanting to put up walls to get away from people to not wanting to put up walls and fences, you know, to just live in a different focus. How do you balance what those boundaries are? Because you kind of mentioned like, we, we want to be able to get away from things after we've been with a lot of people. And sometimes I think that it's really easy for us to use boundaries as an excuse. But we also do need the time to be able to recharge and fill up on our own and know how to be healthy people. So how do you find a balance between that when you're thinking about what outreach in your neighborhood looks like? I don't know if I have an exact answer to that. I think I'm still learning what yeah. that looks like. My answer is to pray about it. Mm. And the times that I felt like I was maxed out and I just couldn't neighbor anymore or couldn't reach out in the way that people needed support, Mm -hmm. I've asked God to help strengthen and enable me to do that. In times where he was like, no, you're done and that's okay. They haven't needed me. You know, like something has shifted and something doesn't work out or something gets canceled. And so it's kind of become this, and I've learned this through mothering and neighboring that just more dependence on God and trusting him and praying into asking him, asking him for guidance and asking him for strength. Yeah. So that's kind of, we do, we do need rest and rest, like restoration for Mm -hmm. our souls. And Mm -hmm. I'm like part introvert, part extrovert. So I need that. I don't revive by people all the time. Yeah. But God knows that. Mm -hmm. And he, I have learned that he gives me what is needed to Mm -hmm. keep going Mm -hmm. and keep moving forward. Yeah. And isn't that what we all need, no matter what it is that the Lord is calling us to? Yes. Yeah. That's how he's created us. And he knows how he's created us. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What would you say, Michael? Yeah, I'd say something that we've been really meditating on recently is John 15 about the the vine and the branches. And for us, like I think so many times we put limits on what we can do. And so we say, okay, I'm done. But when it comes to loving people, love and hurry don't mix. Yeah. In order to love, you got to have time. And so to be able to do that, it's never generally, uh, especially with your neighbors, it's not specifically the time that you've organized. We've organized lots of things for neighbors to come over on. And like, there's been times that people have never come. Interesting. So we've had like hot chocolate times, we've had cookie times, and there's been times that nobody's come. Wow. But it's other times that sometimes the spur of the moment or some, some different things that open up that God provides that we're like, oh, so we need to step into this. And so when it comes to the vine and the branches, it's 
a dependence on the Lord, like, okay, God, I am done, but please, would you give me strength? Mm. Like, help me to love them. Like, I don't want to love them. I'm already, I'm tired. Yeah. And so we get to that point. And then there's other times that we've planned stuff with them and we've been really tired and God's shut it down. And so like, you need to rest. And so it's this continual, just depending on the Lord to try to, we're being intentional to try to be reach out to them and care for them. But we're also asking God, God, would you shut it down if you don't want it to be? Yeah. Like it's his time and his way. So it's a ebb and flow of abiding into the Lord, continually praying as what Nicole was saying, yeah. continually asking God for strength and for him shutting it down if he wants it to be shut down yeah. in that way. That's really good. I think that's, that's such an encouragement for all of us, no matter where we're at, to remember what it looks like to abide, to remember to go to God in prayer. We just finished a series on, on what it looks like to pray and what it looks like to have conversations with God. So this is one example of that. And just remembering that God knows our needs and he knows us deeply. So thank you for sharing that. Um, at what point did you start to feel like, God, I think you might be calling us into full-time missions? Yeah, so two years ago, Nicole had said, oh, you're in global ministry now. Maybe like, maybe we'll become global partners. And I looked at her and I just laughed. I was like, there's no way we're going to become global partners. And now as we're sitting on this podcast right now, we're global partners. Yep. So it's amazing how God moves and changes us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for us, it started with just praying for our neighbors and also just seeing the lost out there. Mm. But the biggest thing is we started to have this kind of like, we started to look around and say, we have so much in Lancaster County. Mm-hmm. The, we are the Bible Belt of the North. We have several Christian radio stations you can listen to, preaching, music, whatever it may be. There's many, many churches that you can be a part of. You can hop from one church to another, go to many different um, denominations or whatever it may be that you feel led to. Yeah. But we started to ask questions of, where are there dark areas in the United States that mm. don't have these resources? Yeah. Where are there uh, places that just don't have like what we have in Lancaster County? So we started to do some research on that specifically. And we found out that was like the Northeast and Northwest. And then the second thing was uh, we did 40 days of prayer together. Just okay. saying, okay, God, we want to be fully on here at Calvary. But we felt this like kind of like stirring that God's doing it in our hearts. And so we're like, okay, God, do you want us to be fully on in Calvary or do you have something else for us? And so we did 40 days of prayer specifically on that. Because if we were going to be here, we wanted to be fully in it, but we knew that God was stirring something. Mm-hmm. And so we, we were kind of like, okay, God, if, if you want us to be here, like just put it to rest. Like we, we want to be where you want us to be. Yeah. So as we prayed about it, I remember walking down the hall of Calvary and putting my key in the office. And as I opened up my office door, I remember having this thought. I remember thinking about if I was on my deathbed and I looked back at my life, would I regret not planning a church in a spiritually dark area? Would I regret not planning a church for the name of Jesus Christ in an area that just doesn't have that many churches? And I had to say yes. Wow. Like, I would regret that. Like, not being part of that. Not going to my, going to the grave saying, I've done everything that I could for the Lord. And I'm not just going to sit in, like, a comfortable position and where I could be. And so that really, that was kind of the linchpin that really started us down the journey. 
yeah. of just praying and saying, okay, God, what do you have for us? But then we start to ask questions of like, okay, well, so we possibly want to plant a church in a spiritually dark area. I don't even know if I'm even gifted in this, like in any way, shape or form, like a big deal. Like I could have a, I could have a want and desire. So what, what do people think? Right. So like going to the elders and going to Bo and going to different other people just to be able to start asking questions. Like, do you think we'd be gifted in this? And then even going beyond the walls of Calvary and start asking other people those kind of questions. So God's been leading us down the journey in that way. So how, how did you get to New Hampshire? How did that happen? Yeah, so there's a few things that are connected with that. So number one, one of my friends has been up in New Hampshire for a while. And where I used to work at, Commander's Weather is in New Hampshire. Oh, no way. Yes. So that that's it's just really interesting, like the Lord would lead in that way. So one of my friends that I used to do the young adult ministry with up there, he's been after me over and over again saying, like, look, they... <laughs> <laughs> he would say so like ridiculous like texts like they don't need you down there we need you up here <laughs> and i remember like looking at those texts and saying like why is he texting this to me and right. like god's doing a great work down here i don't need to be up there but as he started to send us stuff on like the the spiritual state of new hampshire from the gallup poll and the pew research we started to realize like there's some great needs in new hampshire it's the most spiritually dark state out of all the states wow according to gallup poll and the pew research and then as we started to this journey and i went up there like my sister also lives up there so okay. she lives in new hampshire and when we went up there off a whim i was just like what about i start like talking to some different churches that are up there just to see what the need is, just to be able to talk to some different church plants. Yeah. And so I just went around and I, I came back home one day and I told Nicole, like I sent out an email to this, like one church. I doubt they're going to get back to me. It wasn't just one day. It was like the week before Christmas or something like that. Oh yeah. So it was, it was like the busiest time of people's <laughs> lives. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm glad that you did that. But in my head I was like, He's never going to hear back from these people. Right. Yeah. And so we ended up going up and they got back to me. Wow. And so I was able to sit down with two different church plants just to be able to hear what they've done, just be able to hear the spiritual state of New Hampshire, the yeah. need, the different aspects. And so it was just like God just started opening like these doors. And then I got connected with David Pinckney, who is um, head of the Rural Initiative for Acts 29. And he's been living in New Hampshire for a long time, but his prayers is continually for the heart of New Hampshire. And he travels all over the world, wow. but he lives in New Hampshire and Concord and um, sat down with him. And he shared with us that there are 58 towns with no gospel witness. <gasps> wow. So there are 58 towns that don't have a visible, tangible representation of Christ in that town. Oh my goodness. And not to say there are other churches, but mm -hmm. there are churches that are maybe universalist or there's a lot of congregational churches, but they don't believe that Jesus is the only way. Wow. And so as we started to collect this information and started to, God just kept opening up doors and our heart kept being pulled. And then we sat down with one pastor and his wife and they shared a, a story that uh, really impacted our hearts. This mom had started coming to their church and they were able to start to journey with her and tell her about Jesus. And she wound up becoming freed from the things that she was enslaved to and mm. is now a Jesus follower. Wow. 
And she said to them, I am so glad that you told me about Jesus because no one's ever in my life told me about Jesus, nor have I ever met a Christian before I had met you. Oh my gosh. And when we sat and we heard that, it was kind of this pause of what? Really? Mm -hmm. Like we come from where we come from, you know, the Bible Belt of the North. There's so many Christians here. And then you drive seven, eight hours and people have not heard about Jesus before. And it just made us wonder and not really wonder. We were kind of at that point, we were like, okay, we're in, you know, it was, it was kind of that moment of, yeah, I think it's time to, you know, disperse out Mm -hmm. and to join up with those that are in the dark up there and just kind of live out for Jesus in a different location. Yeah. Yeah. So is there a missions organization that you got connected to or how did that process work once you decided like, this is what we want to do? Yeah. So the church that I was having conversations with up in New Hampshire, where my friend who is now an elder at the church, we got connected with them and the, the church's name is Restore Church. Okay. And they're a church plant of four years. Oh, wow. So their goal uh, was to be able to become a church and then for them to plant other churches. Like okay. that, that's their main goal. And so as we've been having conversations, I saw on their website, our goal is to plant another church in three to five years after we've planted. Wow. And so I just sat down with him. I said, so where are you guys on that? Mm-hmm. Like, What's going on? And so we started having conversations between Calvary and myself and Restore. And so things just started to work. And so as we had these conversations, we realized that this might be just a great symbiotic relationship where Calvary could be able to help us send us and then restore could be able to get our feet on the ground Mm -hmm. and be able to form relationships and be able to see what the culture is in New Hampshire because I live there but I lived in the southern part the area that we're looking at is probably like the western and northern area of New Hampshire in a town that has no or very little gospel witness that's Mm -hmm. what we're looking at and so with these relationships we're hoping that that's going to form and going to develop in such a way that we're going to be able to plant off of Restore. So as we go up there and be able to do that. And then the agency behind that's actually going to be helping us and is going to be helping to send us and helps out churches that are missionally minded that can't do it themselves is Reliant. So we're going to be going with the Reliant agency which they've worked with a lot of Acts 29 churches and a lot of other church plants. And so they're taking care of the background. They're going to be taking care of kind of like our salary, Mm -hmm. taking care of the ministry expenses, medical stuff. And then hopefully, if the Lord so wills, I mean, God says he's the one who builds his church, right? Mm -hmm. And the gates of hell can't prevail against it. So our goal is hopefully that once we launch that we'll become self-sustaining and hopefully we won't need to be underneath Reliant anymore and that we'll be self-sustaining and Lord willing, more churches will be able to be planted off of that. Wow, that's a really cool vision to go into it with and to go in with open hands saying, God, we don't know what you're going to do, but we're willing. So where are you now in that process and when do you plan to move? 
Well, those are always a big questions to ask. <laughs> I'm and, sure. And Nicole and I have had conversations on this. Uh, really, we are support dependent. So mm-hmm. we're praying that we're fully funded by a certain time. Okay. And then we're hoping, if everything lines up, that we'll be leaving the Lancaster area by late May, early June. Okay. So we put our house on the market and be able to head up there. But we'll see what God does. I mean, this is all his timing, his way. We've been walking mm-hmm. through this one step at a time with him opening one door at a time. Mm-hmm. So we're just trusting him for his timing, his way mm-hmm. um, with all of that. Yeah, because we can do all the planning we want, but it's really up to him in the end. How can we pray for you as you continue on this journey? I think it's just continual abiding in God for us and our family and letting him lead and, you know, waiting on his timing and walking through those doors. Yeah. If you could pray for us that we would love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength mm-hmm. and love our neighbors as ourselves and that we would really be able to live out the great commission that we would be able to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father, son, and the Holy spirit, and then teaching them to observe all that he's commanded And the beautiful thing is that he says that, lo, I'm with you always. So praying for us, the great commission, the great commandment, and yeah, to be able to abide in him. Because if we're abiding in him, no matter if it's great circumstances or not great circumstances, he's there to strengthen us. Like he asks us to be plugged into him. Mm -hmm. It's a beckoning. Like Mm -hmm. be plugged into me. And without me, you can do nothing. Mm. So in, in that John 15, the idea is that we produce fruit, right? Like that's the idea behind it. And it's for our joy. And so, yeah. So if you guys can be praying on that. And then the other thing to pray about also is just for soft soil Mm. and that God would do a great work in the churches of New Hampshire. Yeah. Not our church, but just the churches in New Hampshire that God would work and move. Like there are small areas in New Hampshire that have gospel-oriented things, but that that would only grow so that this dark, dark area that their state motto is live free or die, that uh, we would have people who die to themselves to live free. Yeah. Wow. Is there anything that we can be praying for your kids in this time? Yeah, I think just, we were talking about this the other day, just that they would see the goodness and sweetness of God as we pursue and walk this road. Yeah. That they would catch on to the fire and the adventure of Mm. living out for God and Mm -hmm. Jesus and that they would want that themselves. Yeah. So I think that's a big thing for us. Yeah. I think about how so many things that you've told us today have come full circle in your lives. And I just wonder how this will come full circle in their lives and how God will use that. So Mm. we can definitely pray for that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, the last thing I want to ask you is during this season right now, what is one thing that you are learning about God as you pursue life in Christ? And that could be as a couple or individually or both. I think we've talked about it a little bit just with the abiding in him like we just can't do it without him and God's continuing to train us to continue to abide in him because if we're not abiding him then we're not going to be fruitful we might get lots of things accomplished yeah we might be really efficient at what we do Mm -hmm. but is that what God 
uh, really wants. So being able to abide in him. And the second thing I would say that is connected to that is like, this is all God's story Mm. and we just get to be a part of it. And Mm -hmm. so it's us kind of releasing and saying, God, this is all you. And we're just taking it one step at a time and trusting you, even though leaving this area, going up to New Hampshire, there could be lots of fears and a lot of where, what's going to happen? Are we going to have a house to live in? Are we going to have different things that... Is God even going to really start a church through us? Seriously? But it's just abiding in him. And it's, it's our journey in him. So abiding, and then that is his story, and that we just get to be a part. Yeah. Would you add yeah. anything to that? Yeah, I think that in abiding, there's such freedom. Hmm. And it's so, like Michael said, we can try, and we can try and do it our own way, Yeah, that's so exhausting. And just like when we pause and we invite God in and we just wait on him and we let him lead, like we get in the spot where we're supposed to be, there's such beauty and such freedom and we don't have to be anxious about anything. Like he tells us not to be anxious. Mm -hmm. And it's just, sometimes we just make it way more complicated than God intends us to. You Mm -hmm. know, we're our own worst enemy at times, but... There is such freedom in abiding. I think that's all it is. God is so good and he wants, yeah, it's his story. And it's such an honor to be able to be a part of what he's doing and whatever he's doing and just wherever he's leading. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for sharing with us and also just allowing us as a church to walk through this journey with you. It's really exciting to see God on display and working in your lives. And we continue to pray and trust that he is going to continue to work in the coming months as you guys make this transition. So thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks, Monica, for having us. We really appreciate it. As I listened to Michael and Nicole tell their story, I couldn't help but notice how many times God brought their life experiences full circle. If we all took the time to reflect on our own lives, I wonder how many of us would see similar patterns. After all, the God we read about in the Bible, who connected even small details from Genesis to Revelation, is still the same God today. He cares about and is working in even the smallest details of our stories. As you reflect on this in your own life this week, I hope you'll also remember to pray for Michael, Nicole, and their kids as they continue to abide in Christ and anticipate their move to New Hampshire. We're so excited about the story that God is writing for them, and we're so grateful that we get to be a part of it. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you back here with an all-new episode next Monday. So until then, have a great week.